Psalms 34, 1 through 22. And the word of God reads like this. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. At all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And my soul makes it boast. It's boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. And the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, and not a single one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But I love this last verse. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You know, the Psalms that we just read is actually the inside story to the one of many lessons that David actually went through in, in his life. And it seems as if the Psalms that we just read expresses an innocent and trusting David in God. It seems as if Psalms 34 expresses David as the victim. It seems as if Psalms 34 expresses David as the one surrounded by attackers and problems. You know, the, that oh, oh, helpless soul of David, yet he trusted the Lord. But on the contrary, this psalm, believe it or not, expresses shame. It expresses guilt. It, it really expresses failure and lack of faith and trust because it is a psalm of repentance. It is a psalm that teaches a spiritual return to God from the people. Because it is a reflection of the many times we lack trust in God. You know, and David expresses in Psalms 34 how easy and swift we find ourselves when mountains and enemies we shall face without doubt present themselves. When in the despair and the trials that surely shall come, how many know they will come? Amen. Despair and trials will surely come when we feel without answer. When we feel without strength or even a hope of any future deliverance, how easy it is to forget of God's providence. 
Psalms 34 describes how easy it is for us to forget about the providence of God, the care of God, His ability to fulfill His promises towards us. That He would never leave us nor forsake us and that He would be with us until the end of the world. That was Jesus' own personal words to us as His people. But I want you to read with me the backstory of Psalms 34 and the actual backstory parallel to Psalms 34 is 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15. Just five verses we're going to read here. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15, it's on the screen if you need it. It says, and David rose and fled that day from Saul. You remember that? When David was fleeing the presence of Saul because Saul was trying to kill him out of jealousy. So he fled that day from Saul and went to Ashish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Ashish said to him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. That was actually the reason why Saul ended up being angry with David. Because he's seen that as he was the current king, the people praised him for greater works. When in reality, Saul could have said, I have done thousands. He has done ten thousands, but together it is eleven of thousands. He didn't see what together their worth was and said he's seen separately. And I'll tell you, when your eyes are on man and yourself and the glory that we can receive and not on God, we're always divisive against each other. Amen. But aside from that, the backstory of this is that they sang that song. And, you know, it also displays how David didn't give glory to God after he had uh, uh, killed Goliath. Because he continued to allow the people to praise him instead of correcting the atmosphere to look to God. I believe that if David would have said, people, stop, instead praise God, the one who delivers his people. I believe Saul's heart also would have been comforted to know that he had humbled himself, that it was God and not him. Amen. And so David, uh, when he heard uh, that the king of Gath, which was Achish, had said, uh, is not this, you know, David, uh, the one that they sang of and danced for? You know, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 21 that David took these words to heart. He took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. The, the, the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen in this land that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And if you go on to the next chapter, the first verse says, And David managed to escape. He managed to escape. David here was fleeing, fleeing King Saul as Saul had pursued him to kill him. So David, not being safe in Israel, he thought of a plan of fleeing into the enemy's land, actually. Instead of staying and confronting Saul or maybe running to another route, he chose the enemy's land to go and hide out because he said, Saul will not search for me there. So he went to, you know, uh, into the, the land of Gath uh, before the king of Achish, which was 
the land of the Philistines. He went back into the enemy's land, you know, into the Philistine land, uh, the land of which he conquered Goliath in. And he went to go and hide there, fleeing the presence of Saul. Now, aside from him playing this really, really bad uh, a character to get out of his problem, there were other things that he did as well. He actually, if you read before in this chapter, he actually got some people killed because he thought of himself before thinking about obeying God and trusting God's providence. And so he fled to the land of the Philistines, hoping that Saul wouldn't think about finding him there. But you know, the land of the Philistines of which Goliath was the giant of, of whom he had slayed and belonged to, you know, I suppose that David thought that he would be more safer there. For some dumb odd reason. I don't know why David would have thought he would have been safer there. It is surprising to me. For when, you know, we put our trust in our own strength and wisdom, we many times end up making desperate, dumb decisions as well. You know, and the Bible does not explain why David felt like it would be safer to go into the land of the Philistines, you know, seeking safety. But nevertheless, he did. Maybe he thought that they would not recognize him there. You know, that if he stealthily hid himself well enough that he could pass as a passing stranger, maybe. You know, and be accepted. And he laid low from, you know, King Saul. But the story teaches us that when David arrived to the Philistine town, they quickly recognized him. They quickly said, that is David, the one who slayed our giant, the one who slayed our champion. That is the one that God used. That is the one they sang about. That is the one they danced for in victory that Israel had overcome us. They quickly recognized him. And David also had become a public figure. So I, I would say that being a public figure in that time created for him a reputation for exceptional military recognition. So Psalms 34 is the after effect of his broken trust in God at this very moment of his life. When we read Psalms 34, we're actually reading uh, David that is shamed, ashamed that he didn't trust in God here in 1 Samuel chapter 21. It kind of seems as if David is saying, oh poor me, I've trusted God, I've been faithful to Him. When in reality, David is really saying, I am so ashamed that I, you know, my plan worked, but after my heart did just not feel its trust in God. Have you ever made a plan for yourself and it works, but in the end you feel so guilty because you know you didn't trust God through the process of the trial and the tribulation. Many times we can devise plans for ourselves and they work. Sometimes we can really devise plans for ourselves and they actually work. Like, what just happened? It worked. But we're not just released there because the after effect of our plans working leads to guilt that we didn't trust in God. And so that is why it is so important whether to life or whether to death that we would trust God in the process of our issues. And so when David had came in there, um, he was afraid and feared that, you know, when they found out that he was David, the coming king of Israel, he said, they're going to kill me. They're going to torture me. You know, they're going to imprison me. So what did David do? 
I believe David did what any animal does when it's before a bigger animal. It plays dead. <laughs> you know, it falls over and sticks its tongue out. And David played dead. David played mad. As if he was crazy. And the Bible says that he began to hit his head against the gate. I can imagine as he was hitting his head against the gate, he was saying, man, look at where I have come down to. I once defeated this whole city with their champion, and now I'm looking mad in their city because I've given myself into fear. He began to foam at the mouth, spit dripping from his beard, and he was saying, my planned work. And as she said, he's gone crazy. Why did you guys leave and let him in? David was like, my plan's working. My plan's working. You know, they're not going to kill me. They're not going to imprison me. But what did David have to give up in the process, in, you know, getting out of the problem that he was in himself? He, well, he lost his dignity. He lost his respect. He gave up his, you know, his persona as God's servant, of the one that God backed up to overcome the enemy of God, which was Goliath. It kind of seems like, wow, King David, you pulled it off. Boy, David, you're smart. But there was actually a problem here, and David was convicted by it. Psalms 34 explains that David was ashamed at not trusting God in the midst of, you know, the enemy that he defeated with a simple slingshot. He stooped down to the level of an embarrassment to the God who through him gave him victory for Israel. And David expresses shame that in the devise of his own plans, although it worked because it was not God who gave him the victory, nor in whom he had trusted, he felt he failed the test. And there was this heavy burden upon his life that he did not trust God. And I'm telling you something, maybe your plans will work. Maybe your devices will work at times. But what we are left with as an effect is the heavy burden that we did not trust God. We're left with the guilt that we did not wait for God to respond on our behalf. We, we wait with that guilt, uh, you know, that we did not allow God to deliver us. And let me say that your devices and plans and schemes can work at times. But David teaches us that the only reason we should seek, seek victory in every obstacle of our life should be to display our trust in God's providence. Amen. Amen? The only reason why we seek for victory in any obstacle. How many have obstacles and trials in life? The only reason, David teaches us, the only reason you should be seeking for victory in any obstacle of your life is so that God would get the glory. So that God would be glorified in your life. And at times we do not trust that God has it under control. So we take matters into our own hands. We take the decisions into our own hands. And we read in Psalms 34 that David felt really bad about his schemes. David found a shame of how he acted, that in the time of pressure, he didn't look to Yahweh for answers. Fearing the king of the Philistines, he found shame for scheming his own plan of escape and playing madness. A shame that he trusted in his own cunning rather than to trust in God. David in his fear had neglected to look to God for rescue. And this is David's message to his reader in Psalms chapter 34. What is the message of David to us as God's people? That only God can deliver. 
only God can truly deliver. Because when we are delivered from ourselves, you know, in this world, we create devices and plans and it works and we find deliverance. It's not true deliverance because we still have the heavy burden of our soul that we did not trust God. And just let me say this, only God can truly deliver. There is one thing you can do. You can probably get yourself out of a ticket. You can probably get yourself a discount. You can probably get some mercy, you know, when paying something back. But at the end of it, because you had to lie, because you had to cut a corner, because you had to step off your play, your platform of dignity in God, your respect and self-worth in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are left with the domino effect that I didn't trust God. And let me tell you something, the more that we play this game with God, the more we lose our trust in God, the more we lose our care of God's providence, the more we lose our need to rely on God's strength for our lives. Why? Because we are used to being MacGyvers spiritually. We are used to MacGyvering our lives in the difficult times. We're used to saying, oh, I'll fix it one way or another instead of just standing still and trusting in the Lord, trusting that He will make a way, trusting that He will provide an outlet to the problem. Truly, only God can deliver, church. Only God can deliver. And I want to title this message, Look No Further. God delivers. Why do we devise plans, church? Why do we find strength in our own arm? You know, why, why do we swiftly, after the many miracles and displays of God's might, power, and purpose in our lives, return to our gambling schemes? Why do we return back to our gambling schemes? We're, we're in like, a, like a, a, a gamble, you know, just gambling away. Will it work? I don't know if it's going to work. When it is sure that God's plan will work. When we look to the world, we are perplexed. That's why you can't look at the world, because you're just stressed out more. When you look at the world, all you see is, well, you know, this problem and that problem. You went to the world with one issue, and you came out with five more. Right? And when we look to the world, we just end up being perplexed, you know, at loss. But on looking to Christ depends our whole salvation. <laughs> what a leave do we get in looking to the world for salvation? What a leave do we get in looking at our wretched self? And although at times we, we escaped at the plan of ourself, we are left with the guilt and heavy burden of reality that we didn't trust God. Only God delivers, church. Let me say this again. Only God delivers. But not only that, only God saves. And not only God saves, only God heals. Only God can keep us. Only God can deliver us from all of our fears. Only God can give us assurance. You know, and right now there are so many options in a time and place that everywhere we are looking, the world wants to replace God with schemes. The world wants to replace God with options. The world wants to replace God with answers. But there is no real answer upon the land other than but God. He is Lord. He is the Savior. He is the one that is and is to come, was, is, and is to come. In no one else do we find salvation under heaven, only but in Jesus Christ. The world wants to replace God with schemes. The world wants to replace God with checks and money. The world wants to replace God with earthly wisdom and strength. And we are forgetting that only God delivers. Only God heals. Only God saves. It is only God. God is the only one that can deliver. And we learn through this psalm of the life of David that instead of devising plans and fearing, number one is this. Write this down. Bless 
the Lord at all times. Instead of devising plans and devising schemes and living in fear, it is better that you bless the Lord. This is what David teaches us about 1 Samuel 21. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. He said, I learned my lesson, God. I will bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> I love this because I want to read this, read this to you. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He said... I will bless the Lord at all times. You know what the strength of your life is? When you're being attacked, when you're being persecuted, when doors are shutting in your face, when the enemy is lifting up a flood against your life, all you have to do is bless the Lord at all times. When it's good, when it's bad, when they're coming against you, when you're abandoned, when you're alone, when you don't have, you know, when you are barren, when you don't see anything turning out your way in life, you bless the Lord at all times. Don't allow the enemy to take your praise. Don't allow him to take away your worship. Don't allow him to take your ability to raise your hands and declare that he is Lord, that there is nobody like him. That's what we have to do upon the land. We got to bless the Lord at all times. It's interesting that the first thing the devil wants to always take away from God's people is praise. Praise. We get discouraged and we want to stop lifting our hands. We get discouraged and we want to stop singing. We get discouraged and we want to stop praising. We get discouraged and we want to stop praying in psalm. We get discouraged and we want to stop, you know, feeling God's presence. We want to start, you know, turning on the, the, the generator and saying, I got to figure things out. You know, I, you know, I just got to figure it out. I need to see how I'm going to get this done. You don't need to. At times, we, are, we need to be reminded that God can do it, that God can can heal that God can restore that God will open doors on your behalf you just have to bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continually be in your mouth that's a key there because it is not your praise but it is the spirit of the son in you crying out Abba father if there is praise that can be uttered out of your life that has power, it is the praise that comes from the Son in through our lives for the glory of God. You know, I understand why you're not encouraged when you want to sing. I understand why you're not encouraged when you want to pray. But when the Spirit of the Lord, when we don't have any words, when we don't have any strength, begins to pray in us, begins to worship in us, begins to glorify the Father in us. Come on, somebody, bless the name of the Lord. Right now, bless the Lord at all times. And His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Well, I don't know what to sing. Just let God sing through you. I don't know what to pray. Well, the Spirit of the Lord helps us in our weakness. Even we, when we not have words what to, ought to pray, He teaches us what we ought to pray. Amen? And so the Spirit helps us in our weakness, but bless the Lord at all times. The Lord cannot force a vessel. We have to come willing as willing vessels to bless the Lord at all times. Let the humble hear and be glad. Look at how now you're understanding why David was saying this. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Why? Because I cannot boast in myself. Because when I want to boast in myself that my schemes worked, I'm left with the burden that I didn't trust God. So I can't even boast in myself. 
My soul makes its boast in the Lord. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. And so in the good and in the bad, bless the Lord at all times. As Job did not sin with his lips in the temptest of trials. You know, charge God with nothing. But just bless his name. Charge God with nothing. Don't, don't you dare say, well, why God? Why did you? Don't you charge God with anything. Just bless the Lord at all times. Well, why God did you allow this? Don't you charge God with anything that seems as if God made a mistake. God never makes a mistake. What he does is perfect. Don't charge God with anything, but just simply bless his name. Don't try to get intellectual with God. Don't try to act as if, you know, you understand, you know, I want to understand you, God. You, you put God on the stand and you're, you're there like the prosecutor, you know, prosecuting and trying to, you know, uh, interrogate God as if he's a witness, you know, to everything that has happened and trying to figure out the why. You don't have any right to interrogate God. What you do have the right to do is just bless him at all times that you would say, God, I don't know why it's shut in my face. I don't know why I was abandoned. I don't know why I was let go. I don't know why, you know, I've been left here. I don't know why I've been, you know, stuck in this trial. I don't know why I've been in this tempest of trial. I don't know why I've been attacked this way. But one thing I do know is that I can bless your name at all times. I can bless your name in the good and in the bad. I can bless you when I am persecuted. I can bless you when I am turned against. I can bless you when I am sick. I can bless you when I am poor. I can bless you when I don't have. I can bless you at all times. If there is something the devil cannot take away from God's people, it is the ability to bless him at all times overcome the odds the devil wants you to stay quiet the devil wants you to say what you know just give up fold your hands and act mad drool don't you drool don't you act mad don't play crazy bless the Lord at all times this is what David did he, he seen that he was in the hands of the Philistine and instead of saying I will bless the Lord at all times he, he said, I better figure this out. So he, he, he started to hit his head against the gate. Started to play mad and folly. He started to play crazy, you know, because he, he felt that was his only way out. And when you don't trust God and you're not uh, um, in the place and in the, the atmosphere of blessing the Lord at all times, you'll come up with some crazy ideas to get yourself out of the problem. When simply our strength and our deliverance is found in God Almighty, there is never not a moment where God does not fail in His providence that God does not fail to deliver. You might have a need. Don't you act out of character. Don't you act mad. Don't you act crazy. Don't you step into your nature. I can imagine that. You know, uh, I would say, explain it this way. David acting mad, David acting crazy uh, is a significance of how we act in the flesh. When you act in the flesh, you are crazy. When you act in the flesh, you are, uh, you are drooling on, in the beard. When you act in the flesh, you are acting mad. When you act in the flesh, you are a madman. You are folly. You are not full of wisdom. You are not full of knowledge. But when we trust in the Lord, we are not ashamed. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Lord at all times I will bless the Lord at all times and out of my mouth will come his praise magnify God in your trial you have to learn how to magnify him in the midst of your trial but number two as well instead of devising plans and fearing seek the Lord verse 34 chapter 34 verses 4 look what it says it says let us choose what is right and let us know among ourselves what is good I sought the Lord and he answered me 
and delivered me from all my fears. Amen? I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You know, in seeking the Lord, we find the answer and deliverance to our fears. But the, the key is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Don't seek man. You know, don't, don't seek the plans that the world has. Seek the Lord. You know, I was watching this. Um, I, I, I'm going I'm to call him a man of God because he displayed that to me. And I, I felt that conviction that he is my brother in Christ. But he was talking about, he was saying, you know, should you take the vaccine or should you not take the vaccine? And as I was hearing him speak, he said, I'm not saying you should take it, neither take it. What I'm saying is you should obey God. Amen. <laughs> and see, when, when, when you, you, your eyes are upon God, you're not seeing if the, the world is saying do it or don't do it. What you're saying is, God, there are so many things around me and many things you have allowed and some things you don't. Uh, allow and so God I just want your will for my life and so when you seek the Lord understand this that is the only way in seeking the Lord that you will be delivered and all your fears will go away do you need deliverance do you need fear to leave your life seek the Lord don't you put your seeking and trust in the world seek the Lord the Bible says I sought the Lord David said I learned that I had to seek the Lord so that he would answer me how many need answers amen that he would deliver me but not only that from all my fears what are your fears David's fear was being in prison David's fear was being killed David's fear was being tortured because he was he had made a wrong decision and in that fear it led him to make a wrong decision and I'm telling you something what is your fear do you fear losing your job? Do you fear dying? You know, do you fear people leaving you? What, what is the fear of your life? Do you fear not having? Do you fear, you know, giving up? What is the fear of your life? And God is saying, you will never overcome the fears of your life if you do not seek me. I don't understand how people, you know, want to overcome the fear of their life, but they don't seek the Lord. Seek His presence continually. Seek His presence continually you're afraid and guess what I don't blame you it is okay to be afraid but you know greater is he that is in you than he who is out in the world though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death he will not leave you he will not forsake you his rod and his staff shall guide you and shall comfort you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever come on somebody bless his name this morning seek the Lord Seek the Lord. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Seek the Lord. And not only that, number three, look to Him. Look what Psalms 34, 5 and 6 declares. Those who look to Him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. You know, in looking to God, we are given radiance. Life back into our complexion. Hope of promise, you know, but assurance that he, that we will not be left ashamed in trusting God. You know, some of you have lost your radiance. Radiance displays trust in God. That is why Moses' face shined. Because he had just came off a mountain where he trusted God not to kill him. 
And so he came off the mountain, you know, with God's law, which could have easily disintegrated him, killed him. But instead, his face shining, coming back down, displayed trust in God. And some of you have lost your radiance. You praise on Sundays and you pray in the week and you do all of these things, but you've lost your radiance. You're not understanding what I'm saying because you're saying, well, pastor, I'm still coming to church. You still come to church. You still serve, but you've lost your radiance. You, you've lost that, that glow of your face that's like, man, the Lord, I trust him. You're running on fumes. You're, you're barely making it through the day. And God is saying, I want to give you back your radiance. I want to give you back your color. I don't want you to come looking pale in my presence. I want to bring back the color of your complexion. I want to bring back the hope of promise in your spirit. I want you to come back, you know, just, you know, jumpy and, 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 and encouraged, not coming and saying, well, I'm trusting the Lord one day at a time. No, I want you to come back like the days of joy, like the days of radiance, like the days of which you trusted me in the wilderness. You know, Jeremiah, you know, chapter 2, verses 1 declares, the Lord was rebuking Israel and he said through the life of Jeremiah he said look Jeremiah I remember the love of your youth when you followed me in the desert when you followed me in places not sown when you didn't question me when you didn't say I don't know if God you just followed me you were like a young lovebird in love with me trusting me God wants to return our radiance God wants to return that trust to us that we, we don't care what it is we're saying God I trust if there's one place you look back, you always look back to the love of your youth in the Lord. Oh, I remember the love of my youth when I followed you in land that wasn't sown. When I, when I didn't question, when I didn't say, I don't know, God. You didn't dare say, I don't know to God. You didn't even dare say, well, I think. You were so in love, you snuck out windows for God. You were so in love with God that he said, meet me in the desert. And you said, what time? And just tell me where I'll go. Don't you ever determine your faithfulness to God because you come to church or you read your Bible or you pray. It's much more deeper than that. It is much more deeper than a Sabbath. It is much more deeper than the ordinances. It goes deeper. That is why lust has turned into looking. That is why killing your brother has turned into thoughts. The same way being trust is more than your action of hands. Trust is more than where you go. Trust is more than what you do. Trust is an inner thing. Trust is a, an interior motive of your life. And God is saying, look, I can see that you have lost your radiance. Why? Because you feel like you're going to be ashamed for trusting me. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. When are we going to get back to that place and saying, in my poverty, the Lord is going to hear me and save me out of all my troubles. In looking to him, we are given radiance, life back into our complexion, hope of promise, but assurance that we will not be left ashamed in trusting him and in looking to him. That we will not be left ashamed in our poor state of humanity. He is displayed strong, faithful, able in all of man's needs. Not some, all of man's needs. That when we look to him in all of man's needs, he remains faithful. 
He remains faithful in all of man's needs. What are all of your needs? God doesn't say, just give me one at a time. God says, just load it onto me. You know, cast all your cares. Cast all of your anxieties upon me. For I care for you. For I love you. For I passionately know the, the, the deals of your heart. I passionately know the heavy burden of your soul. I passionately know the fears of your walk. I passionately know, you know, the brokenness of your past. Just cast all your cares. Get your radiance back. Get your joy back. Get your peace back. You know, get that color back in your complexion that you would get back your life. Hallelujah. Get back the joy of your walk. You'll never get it back if you're not looking to Him. We ought to seek the Lord instead of devising plans and fearing we ought to seek Him, but not only just seek Him, but seek Him in the fear of Him, in the fear of the Lord. Look at Psalms 34, 7 through 9 declares, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. And blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no Lack. You see, when you fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord brings surrounding protection and unfailing love and deliverance. That's what verse 7 declares. The Lord, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Right? Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Being surrounded. When we live in the fear of the Lord, it brings surrounding protection and unfailing deliverance. For the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear the Lord. For the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear the Lord. Amen. For the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God and delivers them. You want for God's protection and unfailing deliverance to be continuously in your life. Well then you need to live in the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Well you know I'm afraid of God. It's not being afraid of God. It's reverencing God. It's acknowledging God in all of your ways and He'll make your path straight. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is not like I'm going to get spanked. The fear of the Lord is that I just want to please Him. It's not, the fear of the Lord is not found in judgment. It's found in the ability to obey. I want to obey. I, I, I just want to live for God. And so, the fear of the Lord will bring Surrounding protection and unfailing deliverance. But number two, it satisfies man's longing for safety and assurance without guilt. How many long for safety and assurance? Now don't just end there, but without guilt. We ought to, as people of God, seek for God's what? Safety and assurance, not having any guilt after. So I'll give you a good example. Did you, you know, did you get through it, but you had to steal to get it? I was here in a store, and, 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 and it was, you know, this mother, she was talking about how uh, being in a, another country, there was no nothing. And she said that in the middle of poverty, having three children, she went down to the point of stealing. She had to steal diapers. She had to steal, you know, uh, 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 milk. She had to steal food. And God, 
you know, some of us would say, well, you know, God kind of understands that, you know. Like, <laughs> well, God would understand if, you know, she needed to steal milk. But here David is saying, look, don't devise a plan for yourself. If the widow woman was about to make her last meal and die, and the Lord sent her the man of God to replenish and restore and multiply. We many times say that God's okay with our stealing or our cutting corners because it benefited us. And then after we do what is wrong in the sight of the Lord, we're left with guilt. And God is saying, look, I can truly only give you satisfaction with the longing of safety and assurance without having guilt after. If after getting what you have, you have guilt, it can't be of God. Y'all ain't going to like me after today. <laughs> but God wants to satisfy your longing for safety and assurance of, you know, being provided for. Not in the sense that you have to steal, but that you would get all that God can give you without any guilt. Without having to say, God, but I failed you. I got what I got, but I failed you. I, I, I was helped, but, you know, I, I lied. You know, I, I got what I needed, but I cheated. You know, I, I made it over the mountain, you know, but I didn't do it honestly. And God is saying, look, when I do it, I do it perfectly so that you have no guilt after. And, you know, the God that you serve wants to satisfy your longing for safety and assurance without guilt how many want safety how many want assurance God says I want to give it to you without guilt would you trust me enough to give you assurance and to give you safety without any guilt after because when you do it my way you'll never look back and say I cheated when you do it my way you'll never look back and say I lied when you look back and you see what what happened you'll never say you know I cut corners Kind of like Gideon, you know, if Gideon would have disobeyed God and he would have put all 30,000 men in battle, he would have, you know, probably won. But in the end, he would have felt guilty that God was trying to bring him down to 300 and do his miracle instead of leaving him at 30,000 his way. And God is saying, sometimes you got to trust me. But God, there's a little bit in the bank. Trust me and see that I am good. Taste and see that I am good. You don't need to lie. And see, that's why sometimes we say, well, you know, I can't do that. You know, God says, if God, if I'm telling you to do, you just trust me. Why? Because I want to give you safety and assurance. I would pick any day the option of being on empty and the car never turning off than to be on full in my gas tank and knowing that there is assurance in myself that I put gas in. I would rather run on God's mercy and God's grace. I would rather run on an empty bank account, but yet my water is paid. My light is paid. You know, my bills are provided for. I would rather run on the fear of the Lord, knowing that God every step is causing my sandals not to run out. That manna is falling from heaven. That the quail are running to me. I would rather choose that option any day than, you know, the providence of man, than the care of man. I'd pick any day. I'd pick it any day. You put one option over the other. Trust God or, you know, be satisfied in abundance of man. I'd always say trust God. Because I, I, I long. I, I'm hungry. You know, I am, you know, just so, just so hungry to see God do miracles. You want to know the reason why you never want to walk a desert? Because you're not hungry to see God do a miracle. 
Want to know why you're not, you don't have the tenacity to go through a wilderness? Because you don't want to see, you're not, you're not ready. You're just not hungry to see God make a way. We want safety and assurance out of God. And God is saying, no, true safety and true assurance without any guilt is trusting me. I'd pick any day where God has to pave a road every day than to say, I, I have a way to go that's paved. I want to trust God in everything. I want to be in moments where I don't have any and God shows up. I want to be in moments when I stare at the river and there is no water. I want to be in moments where when I open it up, there is no bread. There is no substance and all of a sudden God does miracles. I want to walk in a miraculous walk. I want to walk in a revelation walk. I want to walk in a place where God gets the glory, where he is constantly doing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Because without miracles, I'm left in a place of saying, me, me, what I can do in my strength. God wants to satisfy the longing for safety and assurance that us as humans, we have. But not only that, the fear of the Lord never leaves us abandoned in desolation or without. The Bible says, verse 9, it declares, for he has said, verse 9 says, verse 9 says, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Amen. For those who fear him have no lack. And when we fear the Lord, he never leaves us abandoned in desolation or without. God always provides. I've never seen the righteous forsaken and neither children begging for bread. You know, I, I just recently had, we had help in, you know, in this new step of our life. And, and, and the person that helped us out, very good brother, he said, I don't know how you have been making it for the last, you know, years, couple years with that type of, of salary. You know, I, I just, I don't see how you have money for groceries. I, I don't see how you would have money for gas. I don't see how you would have money for a haircut. I don't see how you would have money for water. And, and just, I want to just say this. When you fear the Lord, God will never leave you abandoned. God will never leave you in, in a desolate place. And God will never leave you without. The world will marvel as how to God always provides. They will say, boy, you should be in a drought. You should have... You know, foreclosed. They should have repoed. Come on, somebody. You, sh you should already be out on the street. But when you, are, when you have the fear of the Lord more than you have the fear of men, it seems as if God is always confirming you at every step. You, be, you walk in such a way that your steps are ordered by God. They cannot be hampered with by the enemy. You know, the devil devises plans, yet they are destroyed. They do not come to pass. They, they have no success. They, they come to, they come to a, a failure. And that is the way God works because what the enemy plans for evil, God turns around for good. They threw you in a ditch. They sold you in slavery. They said you wouldn't make it. You know, all of these trials. But out of everything, you end up in Egypt. You end up in abundance. You end up with the keys. 
you know, to the greatest things in life. God places you in the greatest places, not because you have a lot of substance, not because you have a lot of quantity, but because you trust God. You trust his process. You trust what he's doing in your family. You trust what he's doing in your children. You trust what he's doing in your business. You trust what he's doing in your job. You understand that the job you have, even though it's 15 bucks an hour, you're worth 25, but yet your water's paid, your cars are paid, your mortgage is paid. It's interesting how, you know, we understand the will of God and in the will of God, there's ever abundant provision. God never leaves us in desolation or without. But I want to finish by saying this as well. Let us not devise plans for ourselves, but I finish by saying the eyes of the Lord keep the upright. The eyes of the Lord keep the upright. And I want to finish the last 10 verses here in these next couple of minutes. And it says, what, what man is there who desires life and loves many days? That he may see good and keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nearer to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be Condemned. And although his spirit was crushed, David's spirit was crushed, his bones were not touched. And in this life, although our spirit many times is crushed, your bones will not be touched. Your bones will not be touched. Not a single hair on your head shall be touched. And although we are perplexed at times, although we are crushed at times in spirit, God was teaching David, your enemy will not touch you. My eyes are on the upright. You know, to love truth, to speak the truth, to avoid all falsehood. This is what God tells us to do. You know, to avoid all falsehood, to avoid all slander, to avoid deceit will contribute to the enemy not touching your bone. This is what prolongs the life of God's servant. This is what makes the life of the servant happy all the days. That we would love justice, pursue mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Matthew chapter 16 verses 25. It declares, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Don't give in to the world's schemes. Your own devised plans. For only God delivers. God is asking for you this morning. Will you trust him this morning? Will you trust that he is enough? Will you trust his providence? That his providence is never failing. That he is never unaware 
of your situation? Can you trust that God is never failing in this promise of His? Will you trust that He is never unaware? Will will you put your trust in Him this morning, whatever the attack of life has presently brought you? Will you put your trust in the Lord because only He delivers? And in Him we will see His hand of salvation. You know, I get it. I I know how hard it is to trust the Lord. Because every day I'm challenged to trust Him. Every day I am challenged to trust God. Challenged to, to put my hope in the Lord. To put my hope in His salvation. And, you know, in such a world right now, in such a world that challenges trust in God, that challenges trust in the Lord, it, we find it more hard. And I was telling Brother Stephen this morning, he said, Pastor, you know, he had the audacity to ask me. He said, Pastor, you know, Because I told him, you know, when I feel tired from this past 10 days of, you know, traveling, flying and driving and here and there and preaching. And, and he said, I told him, I said, when I was on the road as an evangelist, we were gone 300 days out of the year. And there was times where I'd be gone like 20 days, 21 days. And consecutively, my wife at home, you know, with Jaden, you know, just being a mom, you know, for herself and. And, and, and holding down the fort and traveling day after day and, and it, 17 days, 15 days straight, you know, just a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, three services, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, another three services, and then I'd get home Monday and, you know, she'd wash the clothes after all of the craziness, you know, with me being gone, and she'd wash the clothes, and then like two days later, I'd get up and I'd leave again for another 17, 18 days, you know, and, and, and I told him about this, and he said, you know, Pastor, did you ever feel like you didn't want to come to church anymore? He had the audacity to ask me that question. Did you ever feel like you didn't want to come to church no more? And my answer is plain, you know, to him. And I said, church for me is important because I come to church not even for you. Although I have a responsibility week after week, I don't even come to church for my responsibility. I come to church and I come into his presence because I have no hope in myself. I'm in His presence continually and I'm blessing His name continually because I don't have any hope in myself. I am a failure. There is no power in my arm. What is there other than but God's providence? What do I have to rely on when everything I'm looking at in the world is crushing, it's falling, and and when I look at the world, I'm just more perplexed. 
Now I understand why David just wanted to be in God's presence in the temple. Now I understand why David just talked about, you know, just being in his presence. And, you know, in Psalms 51, after he had failed with Bathsheba, he said, Lord, let not your spirit depart from me. Because it's all that I have. It's the only dignity that I have. It's the only respect that I have. It's the only joy that's in, in my life. It's the only hope that I can cling to. My friends don't give me any hope. And bless their hearts. They try with all of their heart. But my true hope is in God. I don't want you to be offended with that. Bless your heart when you say, man, pastor's, you know, he's kind of discouraged, you know, and, 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 and you come and you give me a hug or you say, pastor, I love you, you know, be encouraged, you know. I bless your heart, but don't be mad. My hope comes from the Lord. Because one day you're not going to tell me, you won't notice my posture. You won't notice my face, but the Lord always knows my problems. The Lord always knows my heart. He knows when I'm feeling downcast. I am never a secret to God. I am never a secret to God. I am never a closed book to the Lord. The Lord knows my fears. The Lord knows my burden. He knows my fears of life. He knows my fears. He knows my, my burden. He knows my heaviness. Only He can satisfy. Only the Lord can satisfy. Only the Lord can satisfy the longing of assurance. You know, I want to be assured in this life. I, and sometimes we devise plans. I just, I want to feel safe. Have you ever cried that? You see the perilous times and you say, Lord, I just want to be safe. I just want to be taken care of, God. I just want to make sure that my kids are okay. I want to make sure that my wife, I just want to feel secure. And God's saying, you won't find it in the world. You're only going to find it in me. You're only going to find it in me. You're only going to find it in my presence. You're only going to find it in my atmosphere. You're only going to find it at my feet. You're only going to find it at the, the, the sound of my breath. You're only going to find it at your ear on my chest and my heart beating. You're only going to find it in the presence of the Father. You're only going to find it in the presence of the Father's heart. You're only going to find it in His presence. And tonight God is saying, will you trust me? I want you to stand to your feet with, with me right now and in that conviction. In that anointing. In that presence. Some of you need to hear this morning. You're not alone. God is with you. You're not alone. God is with you. You have not been left alone. You have not been left abandoned. For the eyes of the Lord are always on the upright. For the eyes of the Lord are always on the upright. The eyes of the Lord are always on the upright. 